This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Resource Center, the show where we discuss the tools and techniques you need to be at the forefront of the ever-evolving world of business. Good morning, this is Audrey Raj. So we talk a lot, and I mean a lot, about how COVID-19 has accelerated positive changes in how we use technology, and it's even helped streamline our processes and the way we work. But some organizations may have left a very important element of work on the back burner as we try to move at this crazy pace during this pandemic. And what I'm talking about here is the safety of our people. How are you managing the finer details of work and workplace safety for your people? Does your company have a team in place to implement COVID-19 control measures in the event that someone at work tests positive for the virus? And how will you communicate the impending changes to the way you work to the rest of your organization? This is where having an in-house COVID-19 response team to respond, manage and mitigate the risk of your organization could come in handy. And we have on the show today an expert to talk to us about how to set up a COVID-19 response team in your organization. All right, sure. I'm Dr. Rokesh here. So I'm the Regional Medical Director and the Occupational Health Doctor from MUC Clinics. The MUC Clinics, there's about three branches. We do occupational health and sexual health in Kajang, Bukit Bintang and Labu Negeri Sembilan. And we are looking forward to open up in all over Malaysia, actually. Dr. Rokesh, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, actually, for sharing what I do on a daily basis. So, Dr. Rokesh, um, just to start off, let's just go with the basics. What is a COVID-19 response team and, and why is this team so important? Right. I think as what we can see right now, we are in an emergency situation. The government has declared emergency and it's related more of a health emergency. So, when you want to handle an emergency, you need a dedicated team who has the resources. At the same point of time, they have that knowledge and skills to handle certain emergencies. Just like how we have physical injuries in the emergency uh, setting, whereby we have the team that's able to manage physical injuries, first aids that's dedicated to it, COVID-19 is an emergency as we can see. It affects physically, that means you have sinus symptoms that are related, that's cough, that can spread the virus. At the same point in time, it also has some mental health um, deficits that we can see. That mental health deficit that we see is the prolonging issue that will also cause problems in the organization per se. Uh, that is actually uh, what we can see and what we are seeing right now. Many people are demotivated and they are actually questioning whether are they safe to go back to work because you spend a good eight hours, eight to nine hours at work. And you might be worried that you're bringing back the virus to your home. Yeah. So I guess, um, well, some organizations, especially larger organizations with plenty of staff, they will need their own COVID-19 response team. But just coming back to the size, does it even matter in deciding if you need a task force? Um, do, will you still need a task force if you are a smaller team? Maybe you're a small business. Will you still need it? Of course, yes. Because uh, COVID-19 doesn't select a person. It just affects everyone. So whether you're a small organization or a larger one, you might need help. 
And without the proper guidance and proper knowledge with skills, you might not be able to handle the whole pandemic, actually. I know some countries have strongly advised all organizations to form a response team before reopening after a lockdown. We, this wasn't mandatory for us, um, but was it advised by the government you know, to, to form a team in your organization post-lockdown? So when we came back to work after MCO, during uh, CMCO or RMCO, was this advised by the government? Not really, actually. It was not uh, uh, told to the public, but we did have a directive from the Department of Occupational Safety and Health. So they actually advise all OHD doctors to stand by to identify if there's a need in the workplaces whereby they will need the help of a doctor to do contact tracing and do preventive measures. But it was not something that came out in KKM or in the public media. All right. So you've decided to form a COVID-19 response team uh, in your company. Um, Who should be on that team and what will they have to do? So basically, a COVID-19 task force team should um, include the uh, policyholders as well as the people who implement the policies. So the employers and the employees. So you can include the top management, the directors, the managing directors, up to the safety managers and the line leaders, which will become the representative of the employees. Because you have to make you have to understand that being in these uncertain situations, people will feel alone, they will feel neglected. And employees, especially in a larger organization where you have five thousand over employees, you might feel that you are singled out. You might feel that you are left alone. So that's why when you have the support of your organization, and uh, you have the um, what I'll say is the representative from each employee. They will feel that they are heard. They they will also understand that their needs are fulfilled because they have their representative in the meetings as well. Okay, so there should be a rep from um, every other level so that everyone feels represented. Um, what what will they have to do? What will the duties be for uh, members of this task force? So the task force actually discusses on the new norms. So we do understand that we came up to a pandemic, a disaster, and the government has all been talking about the new norms. So returning back to workplace, there are certain new norms that we have to practice. Something that was uh, neglected, something that was not done before, but was um, supported to be done. Example, hand sanitization. I mean, hand sanitization was, was there all this while but no one actually mandated hand sanitization up to the current time being. So when we are going to a workplace, certain new norms have to be in place. So um, when you have a policymaker, they are not on the ground. So they are, they are just able to make policies. They can just uh, take up the policies from the government and implement it. But when you have the stakeholders, the one who does the work on a day-to-day process, they will understand where will the issues be. Meaning that uh, when you're an employee, you might know that you might take off the mask while you're eating. So rather than you know mandating a very huge lockdown at the workplace, we need to have a policy that is set for uh, when you're having your lunch, when you're opening up for your prayers, because that is when the time actually you remove your mask and you reduce your guard actually. So these certain policies is what's important that need to be focused. So the team focuses to do a whole term uh, policy that not only involve the workplace but should include from the time the person enters into the uh, factory or plant 
up to the time they go back home and if there's hostel involved, the company should also take into consideration the hostels that their workers are being into. I mean, like if you can see the second and the third wave, they are focused a lot on the workplace or we can call as workplace clusters. That is because not only the workplace, they have, um, they have to take care, they have forgotten to take care of the hostels. Meaning to say that the spread actually happened very fr uh, freely in the hostels. So that is why it's important for the task force to identify what is uh, need to be taken care of and how they want to deal it until to the end. So it should be a wholesome policy. So that's the first function. The next function would be you need to have a person that is knowledgeable of the company to talk to the authorities. If you have a person that's positive with COVID, you're dealing with KKM. You're going to deal with our OSH doctor. So you have to have a person, a team that is able to communicate the OSH doctor with the KKM. So the KKM has to know what is the latest update, what is the uh, case counts, and what is the status of the close contacts. While the OSH doctor needs to know what is the parameters that's being taken off and what is the KKM's um, directive. Without a team that's understanding the need of a KKM and the need of an OSH doctor, they will not be able to uh, give these directions. Alright, we're going to need to take a break now for some messages. But when we come back, we discuss communicating the news of a COVID-19 case in your organisation as well as a long-term necessity for a team like this for other emergencies, not just COVID-19. All that and more coming up on Resource Centre in just a few minutes. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Boosting Female Ministers, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You are listening to Resource Centre with me, Audrey Raj. Online with me right now is Dr. Rokeshwar Hari Das, Certified Occupational Health Doctor from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, Malaysia. And uh, we are speaking to Dr. Rokesh about setting up a COVID-19 response team in your company. And we're doing this in conjunction with World Day of Safety and Health at Work, uh, which is happening tomorrow, actually. Now, uh, Dr. Rokesh, before the break, you were talking to us about the main functions of this COVID-19 response team. And I think you've also managed to uh, impress upon us or convince us why every organization needs one of these teams, like this task force, right? right. Now, uh, maybe we can go through the steps uh, to create the response team. We know who needs to be on this team. We know what they'll need to do. We've discussed their, their duties. But um, can you give us some advice on... Uh, or, or maybe like a step-by-step step on how to create this response team? So to create the response team is something very simple. I think all organisations have already a first aid team that is dedicated, but not all actually requires them because by law, there's only certain organisation would need it. But the step is something similar. If, you have, uh, if your organisation has already have a first aid team in, so the step is similar. You have to just identify the people that's going to be part of the team you have to make sure that the team members have adequate, uh, um, I would say, training because the training needs to be done by our OSH doctor or by the KKM certified doctor to make sure that they identify and they understand what is their role and how will they play during this, these times. Because when you are in this team, you have to know that you'll be undergoing stress that's beyond what you expect. 
Yes, I can might, imagine, yeah. You might be getting calls at 12 midnight because there'll be someone that's a close contact of somebody else. So they might be worried, worried terribly. So they might be putting up their pressure on you. So they have to undergo certain level of training, especially dedicated to uh, what we call a psychological first aid because a team member should be able to give them psychological first aid to, to calm them down so that the amount of stress and the amount of, um, I would say, um, yeah, emotions are kept on check. Okay, so what is the ideal outcome of having this team in place and ready to act? Um, let's just say, for instance, that uh, a case has been discovered in your workplace. Mm -hmm. uh, how will we see this team come into action and, and what's the ideal outcome of having this team ready to act? So the moment you have a positive case, the team should be able to you should have a destination in the team whereby a person will be actually dedicated to do close contacts because you have to identify the close contact as soon as possible. If you're delaying the close contact, you're actually spreading the infection further. So a person should be uh, dedicated or a team under a sub-team should be dedicated to identify the close contact, which we know as the category B and category C. While the another, another team should be dedicated to do up the screening process, they should be able to come up with the necessary uh, help from the private centre or the government setting to do up the PCR testing or RTK testing to all the close contacts and if necessary to their whole plant. Because it, it is kind of difficult in certain scenarios for us to identify the close contacts. So that is why we do a whole workplace screening. So they will have to also um, negotiate with their management to come up with the necessary budgets. So that is the third part of it. Because, I mean, this is something emergency, something that is not known or not forecasted. So they have to make sure that they get the management to agree to the budget that is required to come out with this screening. And the third part of it is important would be to talk with the KKM because we need to make sure we have a close understanding with KKM to make sure KKM doesn't close down our operation. Because when KKM feels that the team or the organization is not ready to handle the pandemic or they feel that they, uh, the team needs to close down, the, uh, if KKM team feels they need to close down the production, it's bad on the company. So the team has to give up the confidence to KKM to say, yes, we have a case, but it's under control. We are doing all the necessary measures to make sure it's contained and the production can still go on. So the, the task force actually, actually, the important, the most important aim would be to maintain a stability between the uh, productivity and the safety of the employee, actually. Okay. Now, Dr. Rokesh, would there be any situation where you would need to personalize or customize this task force in your organization? I can tell it might be, the task force might be more extensive if, say, you work in a factory or if you work uh, in an organization, like you mentioned earlier, with 5,000 employees, as opposed to a smaller business with, say, 15 staff. But would there be any other criteria to customize or personalize this task force? or the scale of the task force? I would say the scale actually depends on the number of employees. As I mentioned before, you need to take the employees uh, representative. So the amount of uh, representative depends on your workforce. So that is there. So the scale, yes, depends on the amount of employees that you have. At the same point of time, it will be the, uh, the perspective that they're looking at. I mean, COVID-19 spreads through 
droplets, respiratory droplets, meaning something that is emitted out from your nose or from your mouth. So each of the sectors have different ways on how we can contract the disease. So meaning to say that if you're in tourism industry, you are actually looking at uh, tourists or also people that is going to stay in the um, in your premises. So the one that is going to be the point of contact is going to come with your cleaners or the person that's going to maintain your rooms. So you have to know where is your policies, the weight of your policy is going to be compared to a manufacturing industry whereby they have to focus on implant as well as the hostels. So that's how it differs actually. It differs on how you think that you can acquire the COVID-19 into your workplace. Hmm. Okay, Dr. Rokesh, I'd, I want to talk about communication. You know, um, it of course would fall on this team to communicate the news and to manage expectations in the organization uh, if there was a case uh, in the company. What's the best way to uh, communicate this news to your employees? Would it be uh, via email? Would it be chat? Um how, what is the best channel to do this? So what we call this is the breaking the bad news. So I know doctors does this on a daily basis in the hospital, but that is why it's important for the task force to be trained psychologically because they have to understand that when you're mentioning to your team uh, or to your employee that you are positive, you must understand that the frustration, the emotional breakdown that can happen to them. We have certain suicidal uh, cases out there, not in Malaysia, just because they cannot withstand the stress. So the team should understand that when they have this news, it's best to be done face-to-face. However, looking at the current scenario and the new norm, a virtual setting, uh, I mean like a virtual chat, or a video call will be the best way because you have to understand that not only listening to them, but also looking at their facial gestures should be very important to make sure you address them fully. Because certain cues, what you call as a non-verbal cues, are shown by the individual in the facial gimmicks. So if you identify that, you should be able to also to control it, meaning that the moment you break the bad news, you should be ready to answer their um, grievances. Because, of course, the first step of acceptance is denial. They will deny that they are positive. So when they deny it, of course, we have to make sure that we reinforce the truth. Yes, it is positive because most of them will say the way that is tested is wrong or the lab result is wrong. There's a mistake. There's a contamination of the sample. These are the common things that we see. So the person in charge should be able to convince the person, no, everything is done in accordance and this is the correct thing. That means this uh, result is accurate. Your sample was valid. So you are positive, but they have to reassure them that they are not alone because most of them feel the moment that they are positive, they will be left alone. They will be taken off to a far, far away place and they will cut off from their whole family and that's the last day. So all of us have this this thought inside us. Even medical professionals fall for this actually. So we just have to give them the confidence that they are not alone. So just breaking the bad news on the first day Without follow-up is bad. So the person, the team should have a dedicated team that has to do the follow-ups with these people while they're at home. Or Because most of them will say that, oh, KKM hasn't called us yet. We are positive for the past 24 hours and the virus is inside my body killing me. So uh, are you going to just let me die like this? So the team has to understand that these issues will happen. 
and KKM will take time to address each and every person because of the burden that they are facing. So sometimes it takes up to a week before con uh, KKM contacts them. But if they have any other symptoms, they should, be, they should know that they can come back to this team and report back to this team so the team can update KKM so KKM can make more drastic measures. And especially after your discharge from the CAC or from the hospital, we should uh, communicate back to them to understand, to make them believe that you are not alone. The company is with you until you come out from this situation. So that is not the end, actually, because you also come up with stigmatization. You have to make them ready that when they are returned, the whole colleagues do not stigmatize them, do not put them in one side, because many of us believe that the COVID is going to spread even after the 14 day. And one thing that I can confirm is COVID positive can be up to three to six months from your first infection. Yes, you could still test positive, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that is something that we need to understand. If they already undergo the mandatory 14 days maximum quarantine, they will not spread the virus anymore. So this is what the task force need to make sure that if this employee is stigmatized, they have to go back to that team, to that uh, work unit and make the colleagues understand that, no, it is no more trans transmissible. It's already being controlled and contained. So that's how important the psychological burden is there. Okay, but what about communication to the rest of the organization? Because you know, this pandemic has freaked a lot of us out, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you hear of someone that you may have been in contact with, or someone in the workplace who tested positive, the fear is real, right? Yeah. yeah. So how how does the this task force uh, communicate effectively with the rest of the organization that they are managing this situation? So I will feel you have to go it on a more personalized basis because uh, when a person is tested positive, of course, it's PNC. We have to make sure that this PNC doesn't leak out to the whole organization. Imagine that you have one person out of 5,000 positive, but you can freak the 4,999 <laughs> people out. Yeah. So that's going to uh, kill off your whole motivation to work. So the first thing would be identifying the close contacts and the work unit the individual is facing so that we actually have a counselling session one-on-one -on -one with each of the teammates. So this is what uh, why the representative of the employee is there. So usually the representative will be the team leader or the line leader. So this team leader or the line leader are the people that um, actually are focused in managing about tens or twenties of workers. So this team leader should be equipped with the knowledge and the training of psychology so that they are able to withhold certain emotions on the start so that the work unit is able to resume as soon as possible. Because they have to understand that, yes, the person has worked there, but if proper sanitization has taken place on a daily or a twice daily basis, then the issue is no more that you do not spread the illness. So that is why each and every close contact has to undergo a psychological uh, counselling by the task force after each contact. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Dr. Rokesh, um, is there a long-term necessity for a response team like this, you know, for other emergencies and not just COVID-19? Say we live in a world where we received herd immunity and we are all safe and COVID-19 is in the past. Will we still need a team like this in our organizations in case of 
other emergencies? I would say we might need to prepare ourselves because uh, these such pandemics happens suddenly. So it's always best prepared to have some preventive measures in place. Get a team that is well prepared to uh, to handle such pandemics so that when it breaks up, our organisation is ready to handle it, not let the huge lockdown of what happened last year so that we are able to convince the government, no, we are all ready to face it together. We just have to run our daily life as usual. Is there a place where our listeners can go, where they can connect with the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health Malaysia? Uh, maybe a website or uh, maybe is there a hotline that they can contact if they need to set up their own task force and they need advice on how to do this? Uh, regarding the COVID-19 task force, is something that MEC Academy is embarking on and we are actually one of the pioneers in this field. So if you want more information regarding, you can always visit MEC Academy at mecacademy.com. And you drop us a note there, I can email us or drop us a note through our website and we're able to contact you as soon as possible. All right, Dr. Rakesh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Sure, that's great. Thank you so much for the opportunity, actually. I've been speaking with Dr. Rokeshwar Haridas, Certified Occupational Health Doctor from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health Malaysia. Now, if you missed out on any part of this show, which was done in conjunction with World Day of Safety and Health at Work 2021, that's happening tomorrow, you can go look for the podcast on our website, bfm.my. You can also find our podcast on the BFM app, on iTunes, on Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast fixed. Just search for Resource Center. I'll be back again same time next week for more but till then, have a safe and wonderful day at work everyone. BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9 The Business Station